heard on Spotify Green Room. First, first, first. Hello, 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 everyone. I am so excited for you all to be joining me this Wednesday. I hope everyone's week has been going really well. I am so excited to dive in. My name is Lauren Simmons, and I am the host of Money Moves. You can catch me live on Spotify Green Room every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And today we are going to be talking about holiday spending habits. I just want to read you guys a disclaimer. Any discussion we have in this room does not constitute as professional or financial advice. It is merely my opinions on what I think will work for you based on my experiences and research. Um, so yeah, while everyone is trickling into the room, um, what has been going on for you guys? I think this week we have been hit with a lot of COVID news and the numbers are rising. So I really want everyone to continue to be safe and smart, especially if you're spending the holidays with um, older people. I know I'll most likely be seeing my grandparents in the coming weeks and I just want to be smart. My sister uh, is a freshman in college at uh, Emerson and they just sent out a blast that uh, a lot of the students on campus recently tested positive. So it's been really, really strange as we're trying to make it through this final stretch of 2021 and, and just be with family and kind of go back to some level of normalcy. But I'm hoping in 2022 that we actually achieve some level of normalcy because I think uh, I honestly am becoming a little bit more uh, socially awkward every time I go out. I just don't, I don't know what it, what Lauren was like pre-pandemic, but this version, especially when I go out and go into parties, um, I just feel a little like a fish out of water. Um, but I'll definitely give it a few more minutes before um, we start. How's everyone's week going? Hi, Brian. Hi, Blake. Hi, Alex. Um, are you guys excited about the holidays? I am. I feel like I am stressed, but I know that once the holidays pass, like I'm going to look back and be really grateful and excited that I got to spend time, um, you know, with friends and family. But right now, I'm just, I have a checklist of so many things that I have in my mind to get done. And I'm like, ugh, I'm excited for 2022, I, I'm telling you. Um, and kind of like kind of segueing into uh, holiday spending, have you all done your holidays shopping and have you guys completed everything on your list? Uh, I definitely feel like I didn't really have that many gifts to give people this year. Maybe a lot of people have been on uh, Santa's naughty list. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I feel like I bought gifts a long time ago. So at least as far as like buying gifts and holidays shopping, I think I'm, I think I'm in a good place and I'm excited uh, and just ready to give them out. Well, I'm gonna segue into our main topic. Um, I love it. Um, I love it. I'm loving everyone in the, the chat box. I shopped early this year. Black Friday gave me really good deals. Um, 
Yes, Alex. I, I love it. Um, okay, so I want you guys to raise your hands throughout this episode. And if there are any questions or insights into the topics that we talked about today, like, please, I want this to be collaborative. I want us to enjoy the conversation and everyone to jump in. Uh, so we'll we'll start with the main topic, holiday spending habits. Let me first start off by saying that if you're trying to budget this year, you're, you're already a little too late. We are two weeks out from the new year. And uh, yeah, budgeting for a holiday spending, I feel like it's a year long thing or at least six months prior. So if you're trying to budget um, the second week in December, uh, I don't know. But the good thing is that this information can stick with you into the next holiday. So feel free to use it next year or any time of year where there's a special occasion such as birthdays or Mother's Day or any holiday where you're going to be spending a little bit extra money around that time. Um, I always kind of give this generic advice and I don't mean to diminish it in any way, but um, when we think about holiday budgeting and spending, and even not just for the holiday, but just budgeting and spending in general, we always turn to the 50-30-20 rule. Um, I think this rule is is a good starting point, but I don't think that it is everything. Uh, the basic rule of thumb is that you're going to divide your monthly after-tax income into three spending categories. for your needs, 30% for your wants, and 20% for your savings or paying off debt. Um, If you talk to wealth managers or financial advisors, they will flip the 30 and 20%. Again, I kind of think that it's a little too generic, but I do think it is a good starting point. I think when we're thinking about saving, even outside the holiday or budgeting, we should always be thinking long-term and for our future. So the more we can save, the better. Um, and I, my income, I actually save 85% of my income and have been for the past two years, which is, is high. But then I've, I've also have read in my, um, comments on Instagram that people, you know, save as much as well. And it doesn't mean that you have to be super frugal. She's being mindful of your spending habits and being able to budget accordingly. Um, but anyways, I, I do think the 50-30-20 rule is a good starting point. Um, and what I haven't talked about is the 7-20-10% rule where 70% goes towards your monthly spending. So anything that falls under there, 20% goes to your saving and 10% goes to giving. So maybe this might help you with your month- monthly giving budget or at least during the holidays where um, you aren't, at least during the holidays this time of year, I think it can help by having a, a giving budget. And the reality is, is, is that we're not just giving for one month, right? The holidays are usually from like November to January. So for these three months, allocating uh, a percentage to spending and giving, I think is really nice. Um, but when we're thinking about it from the generic 50, 30, 20 rule, from that 20 or 30% of the money that you're going to use towards um, saving or just extra spending, um, you can use that for the holiday. If you want to spend more than your 20 or 30%, um, 
you know, there, there are no hard and fast rules. I, I feel like just be smart and mindful. Um, but whatever your budget is, I want you to stick with it. Like whatever that dollar amount is, don't go over by any means. Don't try to make an excuse because I feel like it's only going to hurt in the long run. Um, and again, budgeting for this all year long, I think helps prepare you the most for this race. And, you know, it helps you in advance. A good way that I feel feel about spending money around this time of year is that, for instance, the lease on my apartment, I got a promotion of two months free. Um, and so if you're in a situation like me where you have the two months free or a month free, um, when you get your apartment, don't use that credit immediately, meaning your first month, pay it. Don't use your free month on the first month. You want to allocate uh, the months where you know that it's going to be a holiday, maybe a birthday, where you're going to be spending that extra money and you can use that credit for that month. So for my month, it's December. I know I'm going to be spending a little bit extra money. So I'm going to use the credit for my apartment um, so that I have an additional money to be able to spend around this time of year. And I think uh, it has been really helpful and I don't have to stress about covering my rent or, you know, my monthly expenses. And I have extra money to be able to, to spend on um, holidays and gifts. Um, but again, it's also definitely sticking to a budget. Um Whatever you do, don't go over that budget. Maybe have a group of people around you who will hold you accountable. Um, I think the more that you are vulnerable and open with your friends and maybe family members about what your budget is and what your spending habits are, and again, making money not a taboo subject, the more comfortable you can get. And people can hold you accountable and, and call you out and say, yeah, you're definitely spending more money than what you allocated for. And I think when you have people around you that are champion for that, I think it's great. Um, so I have a question for you all. Do you guys have a person in mind who will hold you accountable? Uh, I would love to see um, everyone's response in the chat box, or even if you want to talk about it on stage, um, I'm definitely here to listen. The average amount of money people spend around the holidays is about $1,000, uh, which is insane. Um, I love it, Alex. You try to hold yourself accountable. Um, so the next question is, yeah, a thousand, I thought that that was kind of high. I think the number exactly was like $987, but a thousand, uh, I feel like it's kind of high. Um, how much have you all spent this year on gifts? And is this beyond your 20 or 30% allocation that you guys have? I'm really curious. Um, oh, I love everyone in the, 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 the chat telling me who, uh, who you guys have accountable. Um, 500 fly by me so slow. Um, yeah, I think for me, it is, uh, definitely less than a thousand. Um, but again, I'm not really giving everyone. My brother is, is an adult. My sister is in college and I don't know. I just feel like once you, if you're around kids who want toys and things like that, and I'm not saying kids need a thousand dollar toys, but I think as you get older, um, the idea of gifting is a little bit different. It's more about spending time and experiences with people versus, 
I guess, gifts. Um, so I think my brother this year asked for um, the Apple headsets and I want to say they're like $600 and I told him it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> I was pretty honest with him, but um, I don't know. I, I think the idea of gift, giving gifts and spending money on gifts is a little different. I'd rather spend the time on uh, an experience than I would actually spending money. And so, yeah, vacations are going to cost a little bit more money than one item, I would say. Um Another thing when we're talking about budgeting and saving or giving gifts, don't feel obligated to buy everyone a gift. Everyone doesn't need a gift, so don't overextend. And I'm definitely at the point where uh, my mom's birthday is on Christmas, so she, of course, gets a birthday gift. Um, and, like, she, you know, definitely, as I've gotten older, has been more of a priority as far as, like, making sure um, the day is special around her and Christmas um, but, um, and specifically for her birthday, but as far as like my twin brother or my sister, I don't know. And they're so sweet. They never ask for anything really. I mean, my brother will always give me a list and I know that he's always shooting high. I don't think he really thinks that I'm going to get him $600 headphones, but, um, you know, he at least, it, you know, tries and shoots his shots. So that's all I can ask. Um, I love that Christian, um, your, your mom only wants a nice card. So that's really sweet. Um, how do you all prioritize during the holiday season, who to give a gift to? Um, I, again, for me, I definitely, it definitely first and foremost is my mom and my grandparents. Um, but the idea of gifting as, as a 27 year old adult is a little bit different. And then for me, when I just moved into, my, I moved into an apartment right before the pandemic and oh my gosh, what year is it? It's right now 2021. So I moved into my apartment, I think 2019, right before the pandemic in December and it was around the holidays. So all I particularly wanted was um, things for my apartment, very adult, like pots, pans, utensils. Um, but I don't know, that that's kind of, how I feel about it. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely is, is interesting. Oh, your little brother asked for a $400 Jordans. <laughs> um, yeah, Cora, I agree. Immediate family, significant other, um, home gifts. I love it. Okay. So now when we think about budgeting and saving, the reality is, is that if you don't follow the 20 or 30% or the 10% giving rule, we know that we're going to use credit cards. And, and that is a reality. I um, only have two credit cards. I just double check with my mom. I have a Capital One and then I have a store card, I think with Banana Republic that I opened when I moved to New York and, you know, had my first job and I needed to buy clothes. Um, so I don't love credit cards, but it's like a catch 22. You need to use credit cards in order to raise your credit and build credit and all that fun stuff. Um, and I feel like there can definitely be an episode dedicated to credit cards alone and how I feel about it, but we'll keep it short and to the point. And so if you're going to use credit card store in this holiday season, use it to benefit you. 
period. Understand what rewards you get by using certain credit cards. And even if it's a store card and you're getting points towards your next purchase, do so. I encourage you, be smart, right? Like don't overextend yourself and don't spend so much where you get the bill, you know, next month and you're thinking, oh my goodness, how much did I spend? But um, I really think that if you're going to use credit cards, reap the benefits. Um, And then also, if you can trust your family members, lean on them. So my grandma has a Nordstrom's card, who I'm pretty sure I am an authorized user, but I would use her Nordstrom's card, immediately pay it off, but she gets the rewards points and it's kind of a win-win for all. Uh, And, you know, definitely don't abuse it. If it's not a practice that you can use, don't. But if, you know, there's a trust established and you are um, financially smart with your money, then yeah, like, if you know a family member has, you know, good rewards, use it. Um, I, I think it will be really helpful. Um, I'm just curious, do you guys know some of the re- rewards that you guys have for using your credit cards? Like call it out um, or which credit cards did you guys have? Like for me, again, I have Capital One um, and I, and I'm fine with it. Um Oh, I love that. 1.5% cash back and 3% on dining. Chase, yes. Um, And then also, I'm just curious, how many credit cards do you all have? I have two, and I still kind of don't consider my store card a credit card. Chase Sapphire is good. 3% cash back on daily purchases. I fly a ton. I love it. I have so many questions for you, Jess, because I fly as well. And I feel like I'm not reaping all the benefits that I could be by not having a credit card. But I also, again, go back and forth about not wanting to get another credit card. Five, two, one. It is a must. And I know I, and we're not going to make this about credit cards, but I know because I travel international a lot, I do know that I believe it's Chase or Wells Fargo. I have to triple check, but I know that they don't charge you um, international fees when you use your card outside of the U.S., which I think it's really great. But again, I'm, I'm like, get so panicky about opening up a new card. Five credit cards fly by me slow. And very nice. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um and okay, so I see that you guys have like different um, like bank cards. How do you all feel about store specific cards like Macy's, Target's? Um, and then a good one when stores offer you a discount, if you get one, is it a good deal? I would love to hear what you guys have to say in the chat box or even on stage. But I think for me, I think store specific cards, uh, it's, a slippery slope because they have the highest interest rates. So it's something to definitely keep in mind. But as far as those um, introductory um, promotions that they have, I think that they're usually good, especially if you get like 40, 50% off um, as long as, you know, you, you know, make sure that you're, you're paying it off. But I do think that they can be helpful again. And then it's how frequently do you shop there? I think, again, earlier in my career, and I guess I'm still pretty young, I shopped at Banana Republic a lot. I felt like it was nice enough clothes to be on Wall Street, but wasn't overly expensive where I felt like I was breaking the bank. And I use uh, that card 
a lot when I was in my earlier 20s. I don't think I'm in my late 20s, but I don't know, I guess I'm 27. Um, and so if you're going to use a store specific card, it definitely do a place that you frequent a little bit more um, and try to get those points. Let's see. Alex, you're scared of store-specific cards. Patrick, I, if I'm spending enough in a store to warrant a store, I'm spending too much in that store. Okay, fair enough. Um, I'm kind of hesitant because I shop at so many different stores. Okay. The first credit card I ever opened was a Victoria's Secret one, and it really helped me build my credit. You know what? I think uh, my mom put me on her Victoria's Secret card when I was younger, and that helped me build my credit as well. It was Victoria's Secret, and it might have been another store card that I'm blanking on right now as well. Um, So, yeah, but the other thing that's really important with credit cards in general general, whether it's um, store specific or it's uh, just using your bank card, understanding the billing cycle period so that you aren't paying interest on your purchase. Interest is very annoying. And if you can avoid it, do so. Um, And if you can't, that's fine. Like I'm not here to shame you. I think I honestly believe that in order to be good at money, you have to be a little bit bad. And so that interest is going to hurt you and bite you in the butt. And you'll learn from those experiences say, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with that going forward. Um, What has been popping up a lot during the pandemic, which I'm curious on everyone's thoughts is the uh, buy here, pay later services. Um, I have actually never used it one because I thought that it was just another line of credit and they had to check your credit score. Um, and that is why I encourage you guys to do your due diligence and really read the fine print. Apparently it is a very wide spectrum. Some check your credit score. Some will report to a credit agency if you don't pay on time. Some will charge interest. Some won't charge interest. Um, and there is a lot like it, every one is completely different, you know, and what I'm speaking about is like a firm for people who don't know the buy now pay later services. Um, but I do think that they can be helpful, but I, I believe that if you don't really have healthy spending habits, you're still going to struggle a little bit, uh, using those different platforms. You just are, you're going to get really excited um, especially in your mind where you think, okay, like I'm not paying anything up front, but that bill is going to eventually come and you're going to have to pay it. I guess the good thing, and I'm not encouraging it, but for the ones that don't report to a credit agency, it, I guess is better, but, uh, you definitely should be mindful of your spending habits and how much you're spending and if you should be doing that. Um, I think one of the final points for holiday spending is that, Holiday spending doesn't have to be about money. That's the reality. How can we feel connected and spend time with loved ones? I think the year that we have had, we can all agree spending in time uh, in person with family or friends or loved ones, it's completely worth it than giving a gift. Um, So my question to you all, how do you all plan on spending your holiday? Uh, For me, I can't exactly say because... Uh, Some of the listeners here are, I might have one or two people listening in that are part of my family. And yeah, I don't want to really say, but 
definitely for me, I did say earlier is prioritizing spending time versus spending money. And it's been a tradition in my family to especially my mom going into the new year, cuddling up with a blanket and hot chocolate on a couch. And we watch the Twilight Zone marathons. Uh, it's something that I've always enjoyed with my mom uh, during the holidays. And I think it's it's amazing. But I don't know, everything Christmassy, I think, is really cool. So or holiday. So whether that's going to look at big houses that have lights all over it or going to holiday parties or ice skating. I love that. And having hot chocolate. Uh, Christmas in LA is a little bit different from Christmas in New York. Like it's like night and day. Um, but I did go to a holiday party at the Dodger stadium uh, last week or the week before, and they had fake snow and they had an ice skating rink and do they have hot chocolate? I don't think they had hot chocolate, which was interesting, but or maybe they did. I don't remember, but I don't think I got hot chocolate if, if I was seeking it out. But um, And there was a Christmas tree, and it was cute. It definitely was a little different um, than New York, where you just have the holidays just so much in your face, which is really precious. Um, oh, I love it. Spending time with family and taking a few plates home. Uh yeah, I, I'm always really excited about um, the holidays and, and being with, with loved ones and families. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and then also just thinking about Thanksgiving in general, I think for me, I usually spend Thanksgiving in Georgia and the last few years in Georgia around Thanksgiving, it has been like abnormally warm. Hello, global warming. <laughs> and um, usually a few days leading to Thanksgiving or a few days after Thanksgiving, I have been able to do a hike in the middle of Georgia and it's been like mid to high uh, 60s and, uh, and being able to do that with my dog. My mom's not much for a hiker, but again, those small moments are, are everything to me. So I'm definitely excited. Uh, and oh my goodness, it's 80 degrees in Florida. I will say Sunday, I went to Malibu on a hike and it was 67, but it was, that's, that's definitely my dog in the background jumping off the couch. Um, and the sun was right on me. And I don't know, California's a little bit more dry. So it felt way warmer than 67, but I definitely was in a sports bra and uh, like biker shorts and hiking with my mom. And it was unreal that it was uh, as warm as it was on Sunday. And it was December. I mean, maybe California is always as warm. I don't know. It's my first time spending um, December in California. So it definitely was completely different from New York City. Uh, well, this segues into um, the second portion of the conversation today where we're going to talk about NFTs. Uh, did anyone have time to listen to the podcast today? I was really excited and really grateful to get Jeff Staple home, um, on my podcast today to interview. He is such a legend in so many different ways and um, I love the way that he spoke about being in the NFT space and just making it really relatable. He is such a unique guy and um, 
I, I really enjoyed my time uh, speaking with him. Um, but here's a thought. If you did listen to the NFT episode, uh, gifting NFTs, I mean, is that completely outside the norm? Is that different? Um, I think gifting NFTs, it definitely, because the space is new and at this point there are NFTs booming left and right, um, I kind of give the same advice that I gave on the podcast in which, you know, make sure that you do your due diligence, make sure that you do your, your research and understand why you're investing in whatever you're investing in, whether it's NFT or any of your investments, but also love what you're investing in. So don't invest in something because you think it's going to make you um, $200,000. You know, it, you invest because you you really love investing. Um, and I, I really, there are so many NFTs to choose from. It's hard to say what is a good NFT um, and what is a bad one. But I think, you know, if you love what you're buying, then that's all that matters. Um, but there was actually an article that came out, um, I think a few days ago, I think I read it on CNBC and there was, yes, there was an, I just quickly had to Google. There was an NFT that, that is worth $300,000 and, someone listed the NFT for $3,000 and it got snapped up so quickly. I would imagine as anyone would. And um, yeah, someone bought it for 3000 and then I think resold it for almost 300,000 in like less than 20 seconds. But um, that, that definitely is, uh, is crazy. Um, wait, I'm, when I go through the comments, I'm sorry. Let's see. One of my old co- co-workers bought me $100 worth of Bitcoin six years ago, and it's worth so much more now. Oh, John, you got to hear the podcast. It's so good. Um, yeah, so I think for me, um, crypto and NFTs are definitely different. I still am not convinced in purchasing cryptocurrency as of now. Um, but again, there's no rules to it. If you think it makes sense, it makes sense. If you want to give somebody cryptocurrency, do so. If you want to give them NFTs, do so. Um, I, I think the best way to explain an NFT, it's, it is complicated. And in order to understand NFT, you have to understand the blockchain technology behind the NFT. Um, I talk about it a little bit in my podcast, but but in order to think about an NFT, um, the blockchain technology, the best way I can describe it is, is it is if we're thinking about building a website, like everyone knows on a basic level, in order to the coding behind a website, you use HTML. HTML, HTML is the coding that gives you access to be able to do whatever you want on a particular website, whether you want the page to be pink or green um, whether you want the font size to be 14 or cursive, the blockchain is made up of coding that can't be altered. And that's just what it is. And by can't be altered and the scenario that I just spelled out means the website can't ever be changed. It's always going to look pink and green and the size font is always going to be 14. 
Um, and that is the technology behind a block, behind an NFT for um, blockchain, which is definitely complicated, which again, I, it, it's a lot. The NFT in itself really is um, a digital token. And especially when we're thinking about the creative space and people being able to own their work and own what it is that they do. Uh, that's why NFTs are, are special in my mind because um, you, you as the creator get to own and profit off of your work. And there's a digital footprint. No one could ever steal your artwork. And it's, it's a great space to be in. Wait, let me see some of the questions. Um, why are people buying houses in the metaverse? Will they be able to use it? <laughs> yeah, so the NFT space or this metaverse space, again, it's still, if I'm being transparent, a little uh, overwhelming in the sense of, does that make sense? Why would you want to buy a home? Um digitally, but I don't know. I kind of, I'm not going to diminish it down to its equivalent to Sims, but everyone who, you know, is in the gaming world and you will see NFTs, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, or their own little nuggets in the gaming world. It is very similar. And um, I think if you look at it on par with like a collector's item and thinking of, you know, the collections that they're part of, it has value um, and it's a new space and uh, it's, it's definitely something that I think we're all navigating together. Uh, wait, let me see, Alex, your question. Could I paint a picture and upload it and sell it as an NFT? No, that is not a dumb question, Alex. You could absolutely paint a picture. You could take a picture of the picture that you painted and you could sell it as an NFT. NFT is literally digital. What I really, what I really enjoyed about the conversation with Jeff is that he, you know, he he's he says how you know he's a little bit older and he wants tangible items. I'm not as old as Jeff, and he's not old and by my you know lens, but he likes tangible items, and I kind of come from the same space I do as well. So while you could paint a picture, take a picture of the picture that you painted, upload it and sell it as an NFT, it, it would be nice if if the person buying the NFT could also um, be able to buy your actual picture um, so that they would have it in real life. Um, so, yeah, you saw, let's see, Alex, you saw a headline saying that someone bought a home for $2 million. Yeah. Again, it's, it's very interesting. <laughs> There's no other way to say it. It's very interesting. Um, could you sell your goldfish as an NFT? You a hundred percent could. Um, yeah, I think there are into Rashad's point, like there are a lot of big brands that are tapping into the space. Um, and it is equivalent to the dot-com boom and, um, and we'll see like how this ultimately ends up playing out. But for me, I, if we're thinking about collector's items, we're thinking about 
Um, and again, I don't want to reduce it down, but if we're thinking about like Beanie Babies, like when Beanie Babies first started selling or even Pokemon cards, um, they had very uh, little worth and through, you know, scarcity and supply and demand and and the uh, the the followings that these uh, different brands and organizations have, they raise the value of a Pokemon card. They raise the value of a Beanie Baby. And we are seeing now Beanie Babies being sold for $2 million. Might be crazy to me. It is very crazy to me. But for a collector that is out there, it's not crazy to them. Um, so that's why I think the NFT space, I personally think um, it's a lot more interesting than uh, cryptocurrency. But what I will find interesting is how this will continue to to develop as years come, as the space gets more regulated and um, and what that actually looks like for the future of NFTs or cryptocurrencies in general. Um, do you think we're entering the Ready Player One universe I don't know what that means, John, your question, <laughs> but please um, elaborate. Um, and then Bree, you made pretty good money off of NBA Top Shot when that first started, then it died down a little. Yeah, I mean, I think some of these trends, they're going to, it really time is going to be a testament of, you know, the value and the worth and is it going to pan out? Um, I'm not a uh, mind reader or fortune teller. So I could be saying on December 15th at 7.38 p.m. Um, on a Wednesday that I think NFTs are going to be, you know, I think they're a disruptor in the space and I think that they will stay around. Uh, I might think that today and we might go back and listen to this uh, live audio in two years and NFTs would have completely vanished. But I think as far as the uh, block, again, going back to the blockchain technology, which is the thing that I'm most fascinated with and in because it will unlock so many opportunities um, where we're thinking about supply chains and production and creator ownership and businesses. Like so many things will, will be able to be changed because of blockchain, because of blockchain, because of blockchain. Um, I think we will see in real time what this ultimately uh, grows into. But um, I think anything that's new, people, we never know. When social media was making its waves and Facebook first came around and then Instagram and now it's TikTok and who knows what other platform will be out there. So um, what I do know is the power of the people and if there is a following and there are like-minded people that come together uh, they will make something important and have a lasting impact. And it will definitely stick with us within our culture and we'll look back and it'll be 2021 and, and we'll be thinking NFTs was the latest and greatest. That's kind of how I feel about Bitcoin. I do think that a digital currency will end up... Um, being permanent, whatever that digital currency is, whether that is Bitcoin or Ethereum or any one of them, I do think Ethereum is is the higher ranking of the cryptocurrencies that are out there. But again, it's the blockchain technology that's behind it. Um, it I'm, I'm excited to see what the future has in store.
So one of the questions, why are people paying for NFT art when they can just take screenshots of the picture? Do they make royalties? Yes. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying ownership. So long are the days of um, being able to uh, use someone else's artwork, sample someone's music, not giving someone to, not giving credit to the artist that made what, insert whatever art, you know, whether that's music, whether that's books, whether that's a TV series. Um, and so, yeah, they are making um, royalties off of it because based off the coding and their contracts from the blockchain technology, they can set their NFT right from the beginning to say, I want 20% off of each cell of um, my NFT. And if someone is to still or not, you know, um, go through the legal channels and outlets to be able to use the likeness or to use the sample of the music or to use the artwork that you created. Uh, there's a digital footprint that says this, this painting belongs to me and I should be getting 20% off of whatever you're making off of the sale of you using my art or et cetera, et cetera. So I think it is impactful and it definitely um, when we talk about the conversation of creating generational wealth, these are some of the things that are absolutely a disruptor in the space that can really be able to create uh, generational wealth. So yeah, it, it is, it's so fun and exciting, but because there's not too many rules and regulation and who do we trust in the space, it is hard to navigate from the noise and what is real. But again, when it comes to investing in general, you have to love what you're investing in, regardless if there's going to be any kind of um, outcome and really think about your budgeting and spending habits and your 50, 30, 20% rule and making sure that you're sticking with the budget and using the allocated expendable uh, cash to be able to, you know, be in these highly speculative spaces. And that's really what it is. And just because you're using... I, just because I'm using the word highly speculative, um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. There's just risk involved in it and you should understand the risk involved. And if you're okay with the risk involved or you understand what your risk tolerance is, it's easy to be able to make those financial moves and not um, be impacted if you know things don't turn out the right way. Um, so yeah, I really appreciate the conversation so much with you guys today. I, I loved all the comments in the chat box. You guys were very, uh, entertaining as always. Um, and yeah, I kind of just want to end. What are some of that kind of a little bit back to gifts a little bit? What are some of your favorite gifts you have ever gotten? Um, or I'm going to flip it back to you guys. Would you buy a gift, buy or give a gift as an NFT this year? I'm really curious. But let me add, let me answer this question I just got in the chat. Um, dumb question, but when you are paying for NFTs, cryptocurrency, how do you figure out if it's a scam or not? Oh, that is, I mean, there are definitely... Um, 
platforms that are a lot more safe-ish, I guess you can say, like Coinbase, for instance. But again, because it's not regulated, like when you get money stolen out of a bank, you're FDIC insured through, um, like all banks are FDIC insured. So it's a tough one because if you get your money stolen, especially in this space, and you, you're pretty much out of luck. Like, and, and there's no real nice way to say it, but, um, I side on that. There are a lot more, um, do your research, go use platforms that are, you know, have the better reviews, um, such as Coinbase and be able to lean on that, on, on those websites a little bit more. OpenSea is also another one. Um, but I don't think that there is a is a real way to know if you're you're being scammed. I think you can only, uh, gosh, I sound so bleak, but like hope for the best. But yeah, um, but yeah, I, I think that there. I mean, yeah, someone put in the comments YouTube red flags. I mean, there's that. There definitely is Reddit. There definitely is Twitter. But again, because none of those, um, Reddit is great and you'll get a lot of opinions. YouTube is great. You'll get a lot of opinions. Twitter is great. You'll get a lot of opinions. But for me, that's why I side on regulation and uh, making sure that there are things in place that protect me, uh, the consumer, when I'm making these investments. And that's kind of why I go back and forth with, do I support NFTs? Do I not? I do think that we'll get to a space where they're regulated uh, Jeff said he thinks within the within 18 months that we'll definitely um, we'll have that. And once we have that, I'll I'll feel a lot safer to to jump in. That's not to say that I won't buy NFT now, but again, I'm gonna buy an NFT with the intention of okay, if I lose my money, it is what it is. If I'm scammed out of buying a hundred dollar NFT, then okay, I lost the hundred dollars and I can't feel bad about. It, I mean, of course, like it's easier said than done. And I'm like, you know, speaking out loud, but it, it's just, it's, it's one of those things until the space is regulated and um, there just aren't, I, I think, quote unquote, um, credible experts. There are definitely experts. There are definitely people who um, like Jeff, who, who speak on it, Gary B, who speak on it. And these guys are obviously credible, but, um, but as far as like the, the regulation that's behind it, it's just not there for me. But, um, I think it's still a very exciting space to get in NFTs. Now, cryptocurrency, we, we, we have some more work to definitely do within that space. Um, but yeah, so I kind of back to the last question. What are some of your favorite gifts that you have ever gotten? For me, I don't think, it's ever been a gift. I mean, maybe when I, uh, my freshman year of college, a gift gift, if I'm really thinking about a gift, uh, my mom bought a car for me, which was really sweet. I cried and, uh, it was a, it was a whole thing. But I think as far as, um, gifts, it was never really gifts. I, I feel like my love language is, uh, not gift, not like words of affirmation, not getting gifts, not acts of service. It's really just time and spending time with uh, people. Oh, I love that. When you received your iPod shuffle, that is so cute. Um, that's such a throwback. 
uh, when you went on a trip to Hawaii with your boyfriend last year. I love that. Having those experiences. Uh, yeah, those are, those are amazing. Um, yeah, I think all of my favorite gifts have, if it wasn't a tangible item, it was an experience that I shared with my family, which I think was always really sweet. Uh, but we're going to be wrapping up. So before we leave the room, I want to remind you that you can join Money Moves right here on Spotify Green Room every other Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Just know that I am taking a well-needed break for the remainder of the year. So you all will hear from me in 2022. And I'm so excited to have that conversation with you guys and to regroup and to hear how you all spend your holidays Um, and if you missed a past live room, catching up is easy. Join the Spotify app, search for my podcast, my body wealth only on Spotify and start listening. Um, again, I'm going to be off for the next two weeks. So in the meantime, don't forget to follow my podcast, Mind body wealth for free on Spotify. And I want you guys to have happy, happy holidays. And I can't wait to hear and talk to you guys in the new year. Here's to 2022, everyone. I'll see you guys soon or hear you guys soon. Have a good one. Thank you.